$20 that they had to spend by 5 p.m. that day, uh, either on themselves or on other people. And they, at, the end of the, at the end of the day, they rated their happiness in the morning and before they got the $20, and then after 5 p.m. when they had spent it. And while people might expect that they would feel happier spending the money on themselves and getting the thing that they wanted, the opposite turned out to be true. Those who spent the money on themselves didn't rate themselves as happier at the end of the day than they did at the beginning, but the ones who spent it on other people did. And here was the secret. You get to choose who you help, and it benefits you by improving your mood. So the, you know, you, when, you, when you spend it on yourself, you got to choose how you spend it. But when you, gave, when you spend it on somebody else, you, got to ch- you still got to choose how you spend it because you chose to spend it on somebody else, but then you also got the, the added benefit of helping someone. And it, it's, it's one of the things that's built into the description of the early church, which I had always tended to read as an idealized subscription, uh, uh, idealized description in Acts 2, 44 and 45, where it says, all the believers were together and had all things in common, selling their possessions and goods they shared with anyone who was in need. And note that it doesn't say that the richer believers sold their possessions to help the poor ones, although obviously that would have happened. What they did was to make sure that everybody in the church had the wherewithal so that whenever a need arose for any of them, it could be addressed. And so on a simple level, if we go to lunch every week, if you've got somebody that maybe you go to lunch with every week, um, we would get more out of treating that person one week and letting them treat you the next week than you would just going every week and paying each of you paying for your own meals every week. Because if you, if you kind of split the, the paying of the meal, it goes, you, you get the benefit of giving somebody a meal every two weeks. And they get the benefit of giving you a meal every two weeks. And that is actually a better experience than just going Dutch all the time. It's just more fun to buy the other guy's lunch. Um, uh, there is, um, an, I think he's an economics professor at Wharton. He's... Uh, I, I met him online years ago when doing my blog version of this class uh, because he had written a book called Give and Take, and we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, in a minute. He said, economists call it the warm glow of giving, and psychologists call it the helper's high. Um, recent neuroscience evidence shows that giving actually activates the reward center and the meaning center in our brains, which sends us pleasure and purpose signals when we act for the benefit of others. All right, so tell me, those of you who've been in the the class for a week or two now, tell me your story, tell me a story of giving for you this week and what what you encountered or what you were noticing as you've done this for a couple of weeks now. Ken? Um, I had, uh, by the way, Tim Pitts blessed me with two tickets to CMA Fest for Sunday, so he considered that his... I think it's above board. That was, that's really, uh, that was really great. But as I left, uh, uh, Brianna, my daughter Brianna and I were walking uh, across the bridge and saw people asking for money. And I said, nope, it's not yet midnight. I've already given today. But a few minutes, a few minutes after 12, it's like, okay, it's midnight. And I gave money to somebody uh, 
uh, in a wheelchair outside the, the Hyatt place. And later the bellman was like, don't give those people money. They're gonna, they're just gonna go around the corner and buy crack with it or whatever, you know. And so he was <laughs> pretty negative about uh, supporting the, uh, the homeless in the area. But anyway. Yeah. Are, are any of you finding themes or tendencies in how you're giving or what you're giving or who you're giving to? I, I think um, I, I I tend to have a heart for people that that circumstances were just so far out of their control and yet it's impacted. Them. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I saw a, a guy on GoFundMe. He's a he's a uh, an Afghan refugee. His his, he, he had to get out that minute and his family's still in Afghanistan and I, I'm like man you know the, he can't he can't help that his country is in the middle of a war zone yeah. he can't help that um, he needs help uh, I, I just find that that is more uh, more compelling for me sure it's just it's just so big. There's just no way that he could have prepared for that. There's no way he can overcome that right now unless he gets help. Yeah. And so one of the things that, that I'm finding this time, because I, I've, I've done this exercise, I guess this is my third time to do this, and, and, and I find that, that the culture changes, has changed a little bit every time. The last time I did this, Facebook fundraisers were a big thing, and you basically could not go on Facebook without somebody trying to raise money for their birthday. Or what. And, and I don't see nearly as many of those. Those were like my bread and butter, because I could always count on going on Facebook and somebody needing some money, and so I'd just throw them $10 and go on. Um, and I'm having to look for those online right now. Um, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what I had... What I have never really looked at that I have started noticing is I, I listen to a lot of music. Anybody that knows much about me, that's not a surprise. And um, a lot of the, the artist pages on Spotify have a, a spot where an artist can raise money for a favorite charity or you can just give them money directly because a lot of the, the kind of direct transaction for musicians has gone away in the streaming age where you would like buy a CD and they would get that money right then. That doesn't happen with the streaming economy. And so there are a lot of musicians that I know um, that have those little contribution buttons set up. And so I have started, that, that's been one of my regular things this week. And, it's, and, and, and for most of them, I know them well enough to know that they're not making the money that I am, but that's really not the point. The point is um, that these are folks that I know and I see occasionally and we're familiar with each other, but we don't hang out a lot because maybe they're in a different city or whatever, and it's just it's kind of a way to check in and just say, I'm out here, I see what you're doing, I appreciate it, that, you know, and it's just, it's... It's a little thing for me. It'd be like if they were in town a day, let's go get coffee. It's like buying coffee without the coffee. Uh, and so that's becoming one of my go-to ways of doing this, just as kind of a way to check in with my friends and, um, and say hello to them. 
And, and those are two very different ways of approaching giving. It's two very different types of what we're doing with this. And, and, and one of the things that I want this class to do is, is start to separate the notion of giving and helping or assisting. Um, because those are, those are related, but they are different things. Um, there's a lot in the Bible about helping the poor. And you, you can't read the Bible at all without seeing that that's something that we are supposed to do. And while it's related to giving and generosity, those really are two different things. It's absolutely a great thing, um, but it's supposed to be only one of our directions of giving. And there's always this built-in temptation with any good concept. When, when we focus on helping the poor, there is a tendency to think of the poor as other as others you know they are the poor and because we are giving to them we are not um we and we tend to make them less than in our minds because they have less than us and when our helping the poor comes out of our generosity and not because of the biblical directive um, when it's more the acts two model we're more likely to see ourselves as all part of the same community. Uh, that, that community where there is no male or female, no slave or free, no rich or poor. It's just everybody kind of doing this together. And in a sense, what happens with others as a result of our giving is a byproduct. But I think we focus so much on the exterior reasons to give and not much on how giving shapes us. And for this class, I want to separate what giving does for others and focus on what it does for us. And, it, 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 yes? Don't you think you have to focus a lot on what you're holding your effect on you and the person you give it to? For example, if somebody is an addict and you give something so they can buy more fentanyl and they die, or get worse, I don't think that you're doing something that would be a blessing. You know, I, I honestly, and it's especially for the purpose of this class, I honestly don't think that you do. Because that's, and, and, but that does get right at that tension of what we're doing for others, but also what giving does for ourselves. And when, yes? I, I, push back I know. Because <clears throat> it's, it's very easy to... For instance, I remember even when I worked at Lipscomb and we would get donations, you get donations for something um, that's fun. You don't get donations to pay the electric bill. And the same is even true at church. It, it, I don't think we earmark, maybe. But when in, in organizations where you can earmark, oh yeah, we'll, we'll buy backpacks for the kids. But we really don't want to pay for lunch. I mean, we want to... And I think that is not, I, I, I have some concerns about that for myself. I don't want to put that in front sure. That Am I giving because that's what the need is? Do I love that person and care about what is good for them? Or do I want to make myself feel good? Yeah. And, and I, I, I think we really will feel good. I, I want to cultivate the heart that feels really good when my giving is not about 
In other words, at Christmas, we can get we can get toys for the daycare center until we don't need any more toys because it just feels good to buy toys for kids at Christmas. Right. <laughs> but what we really need is money so their mother can pay their electric bills so right. they don't get caught. Yep. But somehow that doesn't and, and, and those are two sides of the same thing, which is focusing on what we're giving about, or, you know, what we are giving for. Well, when I say I don't have to be accountable for how my gift is used, for me, that's common. Yeah, and, and I, I just can't do it. And, and and that really is a central tension in this class. And so I don't I don't want to dismiss that, and I don't want that to go away. But I also want to say that if if you are giving just because that's what you do, there's less of the whether it's for Christmas or whether it's for electric bills because you're just you you become freer with your money and it, it and you give less because of the object of your giving and more because that's what we do. Yes? I think that kind of goes along with um, love languages. Like, you need to focus on what that person needs more than on what you think they need. Or um, you have to give help in a way the person can receive it. If you give help in a way the person can receive it, you have to help another make yourself feel really great. But the goal is to not let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. The goal isn't <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and I do want to emphasize that what that what we're doing with the daily giving in this class is an exercise. It really is a building of muscle to learn how to give more freely and to change our relationship with money rather than I'm I'm not talking about making large life-changing donations because that's that is a different and a better way of giving, but this is, this is a, an, an exercise. I just, I'm sorry I wasn't here last week, but um, does this class, is it more focused on the idea of like charitable giving, or is it just focused on kind of an overall concept of money and giving in general? Give money and giving in general. Where you're not necessarily, um, like say supporting a small business and or supporting an artist or a, like um, like in my mind what popped up was like Patreon when people right. were making mm -hmm. content or doing something uh, a little bit more nebulous or like you know kind of uh, yeah that kind yeah. of thing um, like, is that kind of yes it's, it, it, and, and, and any and all of those are completely acceptable and wonderful ways to give within the concept of this. this. This class is more about learning how to better let go of your money than, uh, as opposed to keeping it to yourself and being very careful about how you let you, because I think as, as a culture, we tend to think of money as ours. Um, and, and one of the greatest joys that I have ever had is giving away other people's money because I got to work in a grant organization where I got to spend a whole week every year giving away somebody else's money. And that was a lot of fun. And when we think, and when we think about the money that we have control of as giving away other people's money, that's a lot. Of, it, it becomes a lot more fun. Uh, I saw somebody else. Yes. You know, when we talk about like earmarking funds, like Gail said, or 
be worried that yes. well, what if we're fostering someone's habit? I guess I feel like there has to be some amount of like, well, I'm doing my, God tells me give, and then I'm going to trust it to you to do the rest. You know, so like with the child person, I'm like, I'm going to give this money to the child person and trust God to do, like, I shouldn't say it's only for this toy, you know, like, can you trust God? Yes. Yeah. And I know I have definitely fallen into the trap before. There's somebody on the side of the road that's asking for money, and I can sort of feel self-righteous, like, well, I'm not going to give them money because they'll just go spend money. But really, look, I, when I'm in a better headspace, I think I think God asked me to give. There's a person here that's asking for it, and so I'm going to give it. Yeah. I, just, I think sometimes for me that can be an excuse if I don't know where they're going to put this money. Exactly, and that's that's one of the things we talked about in the in the very first class. The uh, most of us, I I certainly have been guilty of this. Have a default no whenever anybody asks me for money. That my inclination is to go. No, I'm not going to do this. Convince me to give you money. And the goal, my goal in this class, is to turn those default no's into default yeses. Where if somebody asks. For money, my inclination is, sure, I'll give you money. I will give you more money than you thought I was going to give you. And then there may be something that keeps me from that. Um, but, but my inclination is to start with the yes and work back rather than start with the no and have to learn how to let go of it. Um, it's interesting if you look for giving discussions in Christian literature because they're not really easy to find always. And there's, uh, I found, when I was researching for this class, I found a list on uh, BibleStudyTools.com. It's called 10 Essential Truths About Christian Giving. I'm going to read you this list, and I'm going to read you another. Um, number one, the Lord Jesus expects, us, expects and requires us to give. So the, the follow-up question was, are you giving? Number two, the Lord Jesus wants us to give for the right reasons. Are you giving for God's praise or for man's? The Lord Jesus wants us to practice benevolent or charitable giving. Do you give amply enough to the church that she can be generous in benevolent giving? The Lord Jesus reminds us that our giving is ultimately to the all-seeing Heavenly Father. Are you conscious of the fact that your giving is to the Lord and is seen by the Lord? The Bible teaches that Christian giving is an act of worship. Did you realize that giving is an act of worship? Is your worship in this area abundant or is it limited? Is giving to the church a priority for you? The Bible teaches that Christian giving should be done in light of the incarnation. The Bible teaches that Christian giving should be done in accordance with our means. Are you giving abundantly or are you giving limitedly compared to your means? Uh, the Bible teaches that the liberality of God's blessings to us is connected to the liberality of our Christian giving. Do you realize that the Lord has given you so much so that you can give much? The Bible teaches us that Christian giving must be willing giving, free giving. Is your giving to the church something that you do wholeheartedly, indifferently, or grudgingly? The Bible teaches that Christian giving ought to be cheerful giving. Is there joy in your heart as you give? Can you truly be characterized as a cheerful giver? And I agree with all ten of those things. But the reasons, the, all ten reasons basically boil down to because God wants you to do it. And the accompanying questions feel a little rhetorical, like they're designed to make you go, well, no, I don't really do that. And they instill guilt from that. So compared to this list, uh, and this list is from a, a website called Becoming Minimalist, nine ways that generous people 
see the world differently. Number one, they recognize that the resource pie is not finite. They know that generosity leads to greater happiness. They find success in helping others succeed. So those, this and the previous reason are part of what's meant by giving joyfully or being a cheerful giver. Um, they believe changing even one life is worthwhile. They trust others. They dream big dreams for their money. They see more resources to give than money. They fully embrace the reality that life is short. And they are content to live with less. Now, ultimately, they may not have to. Uh, there are biblical promises and contemporary studies that back those promises up, indicating that generous people who give actually will get more. But the point is, they're content to live with less, if that's how circumstances end up, if that's what it takes. That list never mentions God or Jesus one time. But you see the heart of Jesus all through that list. And I buy into that mindset a lot faster, and I can even start adding my own things. Um, yeah, I want, sure, I want to be somebody who does what God wants. But at times, to me, that can feel very conceptual or abstract. But that, li that second list doesn't. I like the person that is described in that list. And I can start coming up with other reasons of my own. Generous people have eyes that are more open to the needs around them though they're more likely to see them as opportunities. They learn how to hold on to their money more loosely. They learn how to be more comfortable with asking. They learn to use money to help create and facilitate relationships, either intuitively or intentionally. And in doing all of those things, they are learning something about the heart of God. And so those are the kinds of things that this class will focus on. Any questions or comments about the two lists? Okay. All right, so I mentioned Adam Wharton earlier. And his, his book, he's, he's written several books, and every time he releases a new book, I buy it immediately because he's somebody that really changes the way that I think. Ryan, what was that name again? Adam, uh, his name, I think I, I think I said it right. It's Adam Grant, who teaches at Wharton. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and so this particular book is called Give and Take, A Revolutionary Approach to Success. And he talks about three types of people when it comes to giving. Takers, givers, and matchers. And so takers are people that like to get more than they like to give. Uh, they put their own interests ahead of others' needs. They're cautious and self-protective, not necessarily cruel and cutthroat, which you may think of when you think of takers, especially in a business standpoint, but it's not necessarily that. They just, you know, they, they, they like to be careful about their assets. Uh, my tendency historically has been to be a taker. I grew up as a teenager. I said, I, I don't want to be rich. I just want to get everything I want for free. Uh, <laughs> and, and I did a pretty good job of that for a very long time. Um, uh, and so, and, and I wasn't like trying to 
take stuff from everybody, but I sure was letting them give it to me. Um, givers, on the other hand, pay more attention to what others need. It's not necessarily about how much they give to charity. It's not necessarily huge self-sacrifice, but it's about putting what others need from you before what you need from them. And the trait isn't that common in workplace situations, but you'll see it a lot more in close relationships like marriages and healthy church communities. Matchers, most people, when it comes to work, most people aren't purely givers or takers. Um, when they help others, they protect their own interest by seeking reciprocity, uh, tit for tat, and even exchange of favors. You know, ne negotiators can be uh, very good matchers. Um, and people, each of us are not only one of those things or the other. It kind of varies depending on what the relationship is, what the situation is. Um, so, but those are, those are kind of the three ways of dealing with giving and taking. So, here's a weird thing about the business world. If you're measuring for success, which of those three types do you think you see at the bottom among the least successful people? Define success. I business, I mean, business success. Business, yeah, this is this is a workplace situation. Business success. Givers, takers, or matchers. Who's at the bottom? Who do you think? I, you know, I, I tend to think the I tend to think the people who want the quid pro quo tend to tend to float to the bottom because they're they they might be stingy today and not tomorrow when you give them something. I think I think they get I think they get ferreted out pretty quickly. Okay. Anybody else want to? Way in here. Actually, at the bottom of the list, you see givers because they are the people that tend to give away more than they should uh, to their own detriment. Um, so there, there have been multiple studies, engineers, medical students, salespeople across the board, that correlates the lowest performers with people most likely to say that they love to help others and try to anticipate others' needs. Right? Now, which group is at the top? I can sit here as long as y'all can. Givers. Givers. Givers, again, are at the top. <laughs> you are likely to find them at the top and the bottom of their fields. That, 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 that would explain why I answered Yeah, I yeah. It's because I, I know of several examples of givers who succeed a great deal. Yeah. So, so what's the difference? What, what puts one type of giver at the bottom and one type of giver at the top? Um, so there's venture capitalist Randy Commissar says, it's easier to win if everybody wants you to win. And if you don't make e enemies out there, it's easier to succeed. Um, so first of all, giving doesn't usually work in zero-sum situations. If there has to be a winner and there has to be a loser, giving is not going to be the way to win in a business situation. Um, successful giving takes time. Um, hotel executive named Chip Connolly said, being a giver is not good for a 100-yard dash, but it's valuable in a marathon. When you've got time for it to work itself out, 
giving is going to be a really good approach. And the more important relationships are, the more important it is to give. So this, by the way, is one of the reasons that I love Facebook fundraisers, because I'm often giving to people that I know, but not well. And I mean, it goes back to what I was saying about the Spotify artists. You know, they are people that I know them, they know me, but we don't know each other all, of, all that well. And that giving is a way of strengthening that relationship with somebody that I'm not going to have over to the house because they live in Massachusetts or whatever. Um, and, and it is, and, and that small amount lets me do it without really thinking about it. You were talking about the um, not letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That's a good way of doing that um, because it's just a little amount of money. I'm not going to remember. Uh, I, I would have to think to tell you who all I gave to this week because it, like I said, wasn't wasn't a big amount, but it helps strengthen that relationship. I am counting on, because you tend to remember more when you get something than when you give it, that those people will remember that they received from me more than I will remember that I gave to them. Um, and we, we tend to compartmentalize giving. Uh, remember when I said that, uh, that people behave as givers in marriages? Um, or churches rather than in the workplace. This is one of the reasons that I'm going to keep harping on separating the concepts of giving and aiding and assisting or helping. Um, because when we think of giving only as helping, we tend to compartmentalize it and we make it less than it really is. All right, so givers that fail, givers that succeed. Selfless givers have tend tend to fail because they, they are people with a high and by selfless givers I define that as people with a high interest in others and a low interest in themselves. And so those kinds of giving start out as trying to help others, um, but often the people that do that end up harming themselves. And I see you furrowing your brow. Okay, all right. <laughs> I was just, I was watching very slight movement. <laughs> um, and, and I think if, if, if you're not sure what I mean by that, I, I, I think you will as, as I go through. Psychologists have found that people who continually give without concern for their own health and their well-being put themselves at risk um, of poor mental and physical health. Um, interest in oneself and interest in other people are not opposite ends of the continuum. Uh, they are completely different motivations. And again, that's why, I keep that's why I keep stressing on separating the concepts of giving and helping because helping other people and helping ourselves, they're not, it's, that's, that's not a zero-sum game. Selfless giving in the absence of self-preservation instincts can become overwhelming. And, you know, you've, and, that, and that is something that you see at church again and again and again, where somebody just gives and gives and gives and gives and doesn't take the time from themselves and winds up burning out. And that's, that's the kind of self, selfless giving that I'm talking about here. 
Um, it's one of the main reasons, and this is one of the main reasons that we have a defined time limit on this group experiment that we're doing, um, because I don't want you, if you're giving, say you're giving $5 a day, I don't want you spreading out that $5 every day forever, um, because you are not, when, when you do that, you are not doing as much to assist somebody else as you could if you were giving in a lump sum. Um, but right now, for this class, for this time, for this summer, we're focusing on the impact that giving has on ourselves and on this group as we're conducting the experiment. Um, once we've done that, we want to move on to more targeted ways of giving where we'll see the impact that it makes on other people's lives. And that's a very different type of decision um, than the kinds of giving decisions that I'm talking about here, which is, which is part of the reason I think that you're seeing that, that tension between how people are using it and how we're just giving. Because when, when we are giving amounts that are large enough to matter, we do want to be more judicious in how we give out that money, both in terms of where it's going to do the most good, but also in that um, those are things that matter to us. And, and, and both of those things, I think, are important, whereas if we're just giving away $5 a day, it, there is, there's less importance attached to where it's going or that it really means something to us. Um, so think of it, as I said at the start of the class, as muscle building. Exercising our generosity strengthens our willpower like psychological muscle building. Uh, but overusing muscles generates fatigue and makes them weaker. So if this goes on too long, it just wears us out because it is an everyday thing. And I think if, if you have done... Um, I, 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 because I, I see you talking about it more, I have a feeling that you've maybe done this all 14 days so far. Yeah. I have. Yeah. Although I did your thing and did it like after midnight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that's the nice thing. It works. If you stay up late, it can work either way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, okay, 11.59 here, 12.03 there, good. Yeah. Set for two days. Yes. <laughs> but are you, are you starting to see how this does, it feels like exercise after a while. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, one challenge I'm having is I'm, I'm not, I work from home, so I'm not out and about, so I'm not often at the corners where people are asking yeah. money. I go out at night when they don't seem to be around <laughs> as often, it seems. Um, but uh, I'm finding, you know, GoFundMes or, and you're right, Facebook fundraising yeah. is common now. So I'm finding a way to get it done, but always looking for, you know, new ideas. Yeah, and, and, that, group would help, you know, yeah, and, and that is part of the exercise is, Start training yourself to look for places to give, and that—that's its own challenge. Yes. I have a question. Yes. Me, this is the first week I've been yep. consistent with your for a couple weeks because I was traveling. So, if you already gave this information, I apologize. That's right. Does the church have a list anywhere of places that you can give to anonymously? Oh, that's a great question. Because. Becky Fraser would be who I would suggest okay. to you. She's our, our missional minister okay. and uh, kind of has a point on local uh, faith-based missions that we're active in but I so the answer to your question is yes but I would 
trust Becky's list. Yes. She's really, really difficult. A, a little, a little side note, and, and this is just—it's just because it's, just it's one of my favorites. But, but David Knox uh, has his dom. Yeah. And so you can always flip David into her. Yeah, and and that and that's and and, and I, I feel kind of silly for not having thought to bring a resource like that uh, to class. Uh, although I think that list is probably shorter than the length of this class, so it's a great place to start. Um, it's a lot longer than you would think. <laughs> and although our, um, our our ministry team group over the years has tried to focus. Yeah. More and more of Otter Creek's involvement, but it's still it's still an interesting. Uh, I'm just talking local. Yeah, this uh, a great idea, but there's a lot of really good things Otter Creek is directly involved in. So. I will try to see if I can find that list and see if it is if it is a publishable thing or something that I can share or exactly how that'll work. I'll, I'll, Becky's like right next. She's teaching the other class, so I'll corner her after this. Um, right. Yes. The, uh, my my uh, involvement in this, uh, and I've not done it every day, but I've done it most every day. For whatever reason, I've not been drawn to the online organizations. Uh, I, I tend, I'm retired, I, I tend to eat out a lot and rely on people doing services. And what this has done for me is I'm much more aware of those who make my life better. And that's kind of where my 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 daily yeah. has gone. And, and I was struck over. I've done this kind of. This is really random and anecdotally. So don't. That that that's that's what we're looking but for here. That, that I've been asking. Uh, usually servers uh, ask someone in the car the same question. What's your round trip commute each day? And the average has been twenty miles. I live in Williamson County. Yeah. Um, and so you start doing the math. You start looking at the price of gasoline. Uh, I, I'm kind of drawn toward those who are really pinched by the realities of our economy. And so that's kind of where my... I've not been faithful every day, but that's kind of where I focus more there yeah. than I have on the not-for-profit world, which I... Some point, I probably yeah, and and, and 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 that's wonderful. Like I said, the first class, the easiest way to do this is especially with the way that the the tip economy has become much more upfront in these last couple of years. The easiest way to do this is whenever you're in a situation where a tip is encouraged, is to tip your amount and then add your daily amount to that tip. So if you're doing tip, I, I went to the Bluebird Cafe because a friend of mine was doing an open mic songwriters night. And you know, you're supposed to have a couple of, you know, I had like a Coke and a basket of fries while I was sitting there. Um, and by the time that I tipped and added my tip, I gave 100% tip. And that felt really good. It, 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 it just, it feels good to be a big tipper. Even if they never see, it just, it just does. Um, so I, I heartily encourage adding your amount in a tipping situation. Um, you, you, yes, you, you had to get a basket of fries. I'm like, man, that's that's a gift to yourself. Exactly. We it's a win-win. A group of us went out to eat one evening, and this one girl, she was really working hard. She 
and toward the end of the mail, I wanted to make sure she was going to get the tip and it wasn't going to be a cool tip. And I asked her, she says, thank you. <laughs> she thanked me for asking that question. Yeah. So I gave her a lot of tip. But, uh, Good. You need to find out that information. Yep. So it won't go. Were you reacting or raising your hand? No, I'm also kind of more, I'm more out and about. And so I, maybe it is selfish, I want to tell them, like, you have made my day. I like you. I'm giving you extra. I like, I want them to feel affirmed. And yeah. not just go, oh, that lady was nice. And, you know, yeah. I, want them, I try to give a compliment. I try to give money to a Home Depot woman. And she's like, we can't take tips. Yeah. And I go, what if I buy you a drink and a snack? No, you can't do it. <laughs> I was like, maybe she's the only person at Home Depot who refuses a tip. But, uh, but I was just like, well, you, just, I, you know, again, I just wanted to affirm her. I yeah. was raised by a person who's very performance. You know, I will give you $10 if you perform in this way for me. Yeah. You know, so um, I probably tend to assign my giving to other people who give me good performance, yeah. which I know is not the right way. But, but, I, but and, and, and I love that. And that's, that's a very different approach than I take just because I have a different personality and I, I, I love seemingly random things. I love finding connections between seemingly random things. But also because I um, have been a reporter for all of my career, I am used to sending things out into the world without having any idea how people are going to respond to them and only finding out, you know, sometimes... 15 years later, the impact that they had, good and bad. Um, but but, I'm, but I'm, I'm used to that, and so I love, but, I, but also because, because I'm like just well known enough to enjoy it, it's a real temptation for me to um, take credit and be seen as a hot shot. And so it is, it is a discipline for me to leave money and just walk away and not know what happened to it. Um, and so, and, and, but that's, that is just difference in personalities. Um, any, any of those approaches is wonderful for this class. We are about to run out of time. We have not talked about uh, a place that everybody can give today. Do any of you, oh, we have uh, YAS, Youth Encouragement yeah, Services? Yes, uh, flyer down on our I guess our mission table downstairs okay. in the lobby. Uh, 125 sponsors a, a kid uh, for a week of Bible camp. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, we should we should so be able to do that. Like last today, but 125. And, yeah. yeah. So if everybody if everybody does that, uh, do you know if there is if there is an easy way? I mean, because for me doing the online, it's easy. Um, but is. Yeah, they, but but I know that not everybody here is doing that. Um, so is there is there an easy way to give money here today that then gets turned over to YS? Um, yeah, so like can 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 we just give that money to an elder who will make sure that it goes to where it needs? <laughs> Okay, so if, if you're giving online, if that's what you're comfortable with, uh, look up Youth Encouragement Services, and please give whatever you're giving. Make that your place today. Um, if you're giving in cash, 
give it to Fred. Fred will take care of it. Um, Fred will not go spend it on crack. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, that, that'll be our place for today. And hopefully within just this class, we can send a kid to camp. All right. <laughs> However they choose to spend, that is, that is up to them, but, but a kid will get to go to camp, whether it's our 125 or 125 that they had because we paid for their electricity bill. Absolutely. So, all right. Um, any questions? Um, for those of you who are here the first time. Um, for why, yes, that will tend to be an inner city so for those of you that are visiting today, I'm going to ask you, because I'm asking everybody here to do this until basically Labor Day, but if you're visiting today, do this for a week. Just wherever, wherever you want to give over the course of the next week, every day, give some amount that you choose, whether it's a dollar or a five dollars or a hundred dollars. Every day for a week, just give to a different place, a different person, and see what that does for you. All right. Thank you, everybody.